0: Welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Open your Bibles to Philippians chapter one. You know, any song that praises the Lord, is so good that one that one's got to be there I don't know how you could improve on that one Philippians chapter 1 have you ever met anybody that always was pessimistic gloom despair agony on me some of you are like the little boy who told his mom on the way to school I'm going to fail this test She said, son, you've got to be positive. He said, okay, I'm positive I'm going to fail this (laughs) test. If there was anybody that could be negative, it would be Paul. Look what he says in verse 12. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preached Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. Chuck Swindoll told the story about a farmer who was one of those guys that always looked on the bright side, but he had a neighbor who was just the opposite, always pessimistic, always grim and gloomy. The optimistic farmer one day on the tractor saw the sun shining and he he shouted above the roar of the tractor, look at that beautiful sun and the clear sky and his frowning neighbor He said, yeah, it'll probably scorch all the crops. When the clouds would gather and the much-needed rain would start to fall, the positive farmer would say, isn't God good? He's giving all our cotton a good drink. And the pessimistic one would say, yeah, but if it doesn't stop soon, it's going to wash everything away. So the optimistic farmer decided he's going to fix this. He bought himself one of the finest bird dogs you could imagine taught this dog all kinds of tricks that were actually astounding. And then he invited his pessimistic friend to go duck hunting with him. Both men were in a boat and a duck blind. Ducks flew in. They shot. Several ducks fell. And the farmer, the positive farmer, told his dog, go get them. That dog jumped out of the boat and walked across the water <laughs> and picked up the ducks and walked back to the boat and got in. And he looked at his friend, and he said, what do you think of that? And his friend said, he can't swim, can he? <laughs> you ever met anybody like that? It doesn't matter, the glass always half empty. It's never half full. If there was anybody that had the, I guess the right, or we would understand if he felt that way, it was Paul. Paul had a dynamic personality. He was energetic. He was outgoing. He was creative. He was ready in season and out of season to advance the kingdom of God. And how frustrating it must have been for him to be sitting in a Roman prison cell. He had all kinds of opportunities around him, and he had planned to take the gospel to the other end of the Mediterranean towards Spain, and maybe he was going to stop in Rome and encourage some of the believers there, but instead he was in a cold cell, a bed of straw, poor food, bored soldiers on guard. Why? You ever asked that question? God, why? Why? Why are you allowing this to happen? I want to tell you right now, you're not going to get that question answered most of the time. So save your breath. Why, God? Why are you letting this happen to me? Paul had done nothing wrong. He had not been disobedient. In fact, the fact that he was was obedient is why he was in jail. But in the midst of all this, Paul was in chains. And I want you to see some what I call chain reactions. What happened because Paul was in chains? The first is the progression of the gospel. Paul went on three different missionary journeys, and he started churches all over Asia and Europe. He preached in Damascus, in Syria, Cyprus. Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, Derby, Jerusalem, Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, Athens, Corinth, and Ephesus. And what was the result of his preaching? Most of the time, he was physically forced out for preaching, and some people tried to kill him. In Damascus, he was forced out, Iconium, Thessalonica, Berea, Ephesus, and Jerusalem. He was beaten and jailed in Philippi. He was five times given the 39 lashes with a whip. Three times he was beaten with rods, and one time they left him stoned. They stoned him for dead, thought he was dead. And now as he writes the letter to Philippi, he sits in a prison in Rome waiting for the emperor to... Judge him now. If you looked up "victim," and there was a picture in the new in the in the dictionary, Paul's picture ought to be there. You know, you've heard that statement. If you if you're given a lemon, make lemonades. We had a whole dump truck full of lemons dumped on him. Why? He had been obedient. He wasn't being punished by God because he was doing exactly what God wanted him to do. But because Jesus had saved him, and the Holy Spirit fueled him, he refused to live as a victim in his circumstances, but as a victor in his circumstances. He understood God never makes a mistake. You and I have thought that many times, haven't we? If you're honest... God, you messed up this time. I don't know why you're letting me have this. I don't know why I'm going through this. I don't understand why, but you have messed up. Paul knew better. You see, Paul looked at the opportunities. I'm not saying that he didn't like it, that he liked it. I'm not saying he liked it. I'm sure he didn't. And I'm sure he complained every now and then. you ever complain? You're a Baptist, aren't you? That's the Greek word for Complain. Not really, in case some of you. Is that a really a Greek word? No, it's not. But Paul saw himself as a pioneer preacher. Verse 12, he says, I want you with all determination to know, means to acquire knowledge by experience. I want you to know from my experiences some things. I've got some news that comes from all that I've been through. Now, if you have a King James Version or a New King James Version, You're going to see the phrase, which happened to me, in italics. It's because those words were not in the original text. But the the phrasing here means the things which are dominating me. The things that are going on. And and Paul knew that things don't just happen. Obviously, we live in a world that's cursed by sin. And bad stuff's going to happen to us. It's going to. It doesn't mean God sent it. It means that God is with us and that God is trying to redeem us out of this world. But the fact is, Paul... His trouble started, you can read about this in Acts chapter 21 all the way through the end of the book of Acts in chapter 28, and it begins with Paul's illegal arrest in Jerusalem. Some of the Jewish people thought that Paul was trying to sneak a Gentile into the temple. He was falsely accused and arrested. The Romans thought he was some kind of Egyptian renegade, and so politically and religiously there were plots against him, and he remained in Caesarea, which is right on the coast of the Mediterranean. he was there two years before he's even able to go toward Rome. He appealed to Caesar for trial because he was a Roman citizen, and on the way to Rome, the ship went down. It's miraculous as you read about it, and he waited on the Isle of Malta for three months before he finally got a, a ship to Rome in the trial that he requested before Caesar. A footnote here. In Acts chapter 15, when Jesus appeared to Paul on the road to Damascus, he was blinded. And then Ananias was told by the Lord that that Saul of Tarsus (laughs) was coming and that he was now one of them. And Ananias was a little leery of that. But one of the things that the Lord told Ananias is that Paul, or Saul at the time, was going to preach before Gentiles and kings. Now, if I'd been told, somebody told me, you're going to preach before kings, I can picture it now, all the fanfare and all that. But Paul's going to preach before a king, but not as a preacher, as a prisoner. He uses the word furtherance or advanced in verse 12. It means to cut before it was a a group of people that would go before an army, cutting down a road, cutting down the trees, making a road for the army to go through. And, And Paul discovered that his circumstances really opened the door for more ministry. And you know what? God can take our circumstances and open doors for ministry if we're sensitive to his leadership Instead of complaining about our circumstances, we look for ways to advance the gospel or further the gospel. Do you ever look at your opportunities? We always want to sing that song, Gloom, Despair, and Agony on Me, but do you ever think, you know what, even in the midst of my difficulty, God can still be glorified in my life. Corey Ten Boom said, if God sends us on stony paths he provides strong shoes Paul looked past the problems he wrote in Ephesians three twenty that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think but as you know a lot of people today are stifled because all they can do is focus on their problems Husbands and wives don't enjoy their marriage because all they focus on is their problems. Employees do not enjoy their jobs because they always talk about problems. Young people may not develop their gifts because they think only about the problems. Well, Paul had lots of problems. And I'm sure he didn't like them. But he was different. He could see God working. It's an old story told about an African king who grew up with a, a boyhood friend, and they were great friends, and, and the king's friend always looked at the positive. In fact, anything that happened, whether it was positive or negative, he would always say, "This is good." Well, the king and his friend were out hunting one day, and the friend was responsible for loading the guns and giving the king the opportunity to shoot. And somehow he made some kind of error, and the gun blew up in the king's hands and blew off his thumb. His friend said, This is good. The king said, This is not good, and had him thrown into jail. About a year later, the king was hunting in an area that he should not have been in and was told to stay clear of, and he was captured by cannibals. They tied his hands, stacked some wood, set up a stake, and bound him to the stake. They came near to light the fire, and they noticed his thumb was missing. These cannibals were superstitious. They never ate anyone who was less than whole. So they untied him and sent him on his way. As he returned home he was reminded of the event of the the event that took his thumb away and he felt bad that he had put his friend in jail so he went to the jail and he said you know you were right it was good that my thumb was blown off and he proceeded to tell his friend all that had just happened and then he said i'm so sorry that i sent you to jail for so long it was bad for me to do this and his friend said no this is good He said, what do you mean this is good? How could it be good that I sent my friend to jail for a year? He said, if I had not been in jail, I would have been with you. (laughs) You know, you, you never know what God's up to. Paul was not only a pioneer preacher, but he was the palace preacher. Now look at verse 13. So that it has become evident to the whole palace guard, praetorium guard, the praetorium. These were the elite soldiers. Now I want you to notice in verse 17 where he said, I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The word is set. I have been set, which was a military word of of a soldier that's been given a position to serve or fulfill. He was set to do this. I am set for the defense of the gospel. In other words, Paul said, I'm a man under orders. God has put me here. What people don't realize is that Paul was as much on duty as the guard was. Now, can you imagine, just just use your sanctified imagination with me for just a minute and think about what could have gone through Paul's mind when he was chained, when it was about to change the guard. I wouldn't be surprised to learn that Paul was probably saying, you know what, He's he's on duty, but so am I. I'm on duty for the Lord. I am set to guard Jesus Christ. See, Paul didn't didn't see his suffering as due to God forgetting him. Why did God allow this to happen? God, where were you when this happened? Or he didn't see it as a dismissal from service. I was looking forward to years of usefulness, but here I am chained to the house. Or he didn't see it as a work of Satan. I'm afraid the devil has had his way this time, but... But as the place of duty, he said, I've been set here. I'm going to serve God wherever I am. And I want you to understand something. Do you understand that you're not here by accident? You're not here in Lubbock, Texas by accident or wherever you are living. You're not there by accident. God knows where you are. God knows what you're doing. He's not surprised at your day. And every one of us need to see our present occupation as the work of God. Some of you feel chained, I'm chained to my husband or my wife, or you feel chained to these needy children or to a parent that's senile or to wearying studies and books. Some people feel chained to a church that may not be doing what they think they're doing. There's no perfect church, but the fact is you need to remember that God has you where you are, and He knows. You've been set. You know, we don't like that, do we? But you see, the same God who used Moses' rod or Gideon's pitchers or David's sling used Paul's chains. Little did the Romans realize that the chains they put on the wrist would release Paul instead of binding him to begin with. These chains had Paul in contact with the lost. He was chained to a guard 24 hours a day. Imagine yourself as a soldier and you're chained to a man who prays without ceasing or who's constantly interviewing people about their spiritual condition or who is repeatedly writing letters to Christians and churches throughout the empire. And it wasn't long before some of these guards put their faith in Jesus. Now stay with me. You see, Paul was talking to the praetorian guards. There were nine groups of a 1,000 of these. These were the elite. They were picked by the emperor himself to be his guards. They were personally chosen. They were the most trusted. They were the highest paid people in the empire. You might say they were a cross between a Navy SEAL and a CIA agent who served as a bodyguard to the president. And when a soldier in the Praetorian Guard retired after 12 to 16 years, they were given a prominent place of leadership in the Roman government. Now the host of men came to know Paul's imprisonment was not for some crime he had committed, but for preaching the gospel. And Paul, God gave Paul an all-expense paid trip to Rome paid by the emperor. And not only that, but the emperor chained future leaders (laughs) to the Apostle Paul who's leading some of them to Christ. Are you tracking with me here? How would you like to be a pagan soldier chained to Paul who only wanted to talk about one thing, Jesus and the gospel? At first, you're afraid he'll get away, and then later you're afraid you'll never get away. Paul realized he wasn't chained to guards. It was the other way around. These guards were chained to him. He literally had a captive audience. It's the same way a life lived for Christ in the midst of suffering can affect the lives of people around us. He saw an opportunity. Many people use their circumstances to explain their failure. My principal had it in for me. My teacher had it in for me. That's why I didn't do well in school. I was born with a handicap. That's why I've not achieved anything. My husband left me, and that's why my life is a wreck. My boss doesn't like me. That is why I have not reached my goals. And we think about all our problems. But sometimes, God has to put chains on His people to get them to accomplish a pioneer advance that could never happen any other way. Moms, you are not chained to your children. Susanna Wesley was the mother of 19 children in the days before disposable diapers. (laughs) And out of that large family came John and Charles Wesley whose combined ministry shook the British Isles. At six weeks of age, Fanny Crosby was blinded, but even as a youngster, she determined not to be confined by the chains of her darkness. And in time, she wrote hundreds and thousands of hymns and gospel songs. The secret is this, when you have a single mind... Of following and serving Jesus and furthering the gospel, you look at your circumstances as God-given opportunities for the furtherance of the gospel. God doesn't waste opportunities; He doesn't waste circumstances. That's why in Colossians one verses ten through twelve, He talked to He, he uh, prayed that His readers would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Or pleasing Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. But then in verses 11 and 12, he said, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. Let me tell you, I ask you, when's the only time you need steadfastness and patience? It's through difficult times, isn't it? The point I want you to get is that God is always at work in our circumstances. Do y'all believe that? Always. You know why this is so hard for us to swallow is one that we don't often see our troubles as having any spiritual significance. I'm not saying God's punishing you. I'm just saying, in the midst of it, God can use you to touch other people. And we also refuse to believe that God is at work in our little problems. They're just bumps in the road of life. And third, we often think that we come away defeated by our troubles. We're more often than not, we come away defeated by our troubles. Some of you today came in here with some difficult circumstances. I wish it was within my power to make them go away. I would. You see, the progression of the gospel is the first chain reaction you see here. The next chain reaction is the proclamation of the gospel. What could you find to praise God about when you're chained to a guard other than you've got somebody you can talk to the Lord about and they can't get away? But there's two reactions here to Paul's change in those verses 14 to 17. He said, first of all, some have gone from being cowards to having confidence and courage. He said, many or most were afraid to speak in verse 14, having become confident by my change, are much more bold to speak. Now that word speak is not the word for preach, It means ordinary, everyday conversation. It's a natural way of talking, to chat about what Christ has done for us on the cross and how He has impacted our lives. It's like telling our story at the coffee shop like we do with any other story. We're good storytellers. We always like to tell something that's happened, but how often does Jesus show up in your conversation. Really? Why are we so timid to speak about Jesus? Some do it very naturally, but the rest can be, it can be an awkward transition. If god And what Paul was saying is that if God can protect me and because of me speaking to the guard, then these other people became more courageous to speak. Y'all sure are quiet today. <laughs> Knowledge of this revival in the Praetorian Guard would have had an enormous impact. It would have made them zealous for the Lord. They would have thought, it's true, the Spirit of Christ can change anybody. If it could change a Praetorian Guard, it could change anybody. And there were others like Paul who were Roman citizens, and they knew that they had special protection under the law as Roman citizens. And if they could, he could do so much from a prison cell, they began to share He said, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others do so in love. It was with a new love they witnessed to the people in Rome. Folks, I want you to understand, the way that you handle your circumstances can speak volumes to other people. Now, don't misunderstand I didn't say you had to like them. And I didn't say you couldn't complain about them every now and then. All of us do. We don't like them. Some are painful. Some are tragic. Difficult. Jesus told his disciples, he said, in the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. In other words, the same Jesus that said that said, I will be with you always. And just like He walked with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego through the fiery furnace, He's going to walk with us no matter where we are, I didn't say you wouldn't cry. We grieve, but we grieve with hope. That's the difference. And I'm here to tell you, I've seen the difference. People who've lost loved ones and they know they're believers and they have hope, totally different than those who have no hope. Totally different. I'm here to tell you that just because circumstances are bad, people of God, they may, may suffer, but they know Jesus is there. And I want to tell you, there are people that are now part of this fellowship whose lives were influenced and touched By the fact that some of you walking through tragedies or difficulties kept your eyes on the Lord and they wound up saying, you have something I don't have. That's why Peter wrote, Always be ready to give a defense for the hope that is within you with meekness and fear. I wish I could tell you, you won't ever have any difficulties. I wish I could tell you, you'll never have cancer. Or you'll never have the loss, a tragic loss of a loved one. Or that you won't suffer. By the way, have you ever thought about it? We're not going to get out of this world alive anyway. Not with this body anyway. Unless the Lord returns, and I'm praying for that, aren't you? But the, The fact is, we're in the land of the dying. We're in the land of the suffering. Why? Because God sent it? No. Because we disobeyed God. We brought the curse on the world. And God this whole time has been trying to rescue us from that. To try to say, you listen, why? Why would God want us? Would you want us? Heavens, no. I wouldn't want me. But God loved us enough. But he said, even in the midst of the difficulties, I'm going to give you hope. Your hope is in Jesus Christ. It's not in the church. It's not in good works. It's not in a pastor. It's not in a staff. It's in Jesus Christ. But there were also those, and get this, Paul said, there's some of them preaching with the wrong motives, but they have the right message. It's hard to believe that anyone would oppose Paul, but there were believers in Rome doing that. And some preached Christ sincerely wanting to see people saved, but there were others who preached out of selfish ambition. It says in verse 16, which means to canvas for office, to get people to follow you. I can assure you there are people today under the... Under the umbrella, under the banner of Christianity, all they want is you to follow them. If they don't point you to Jesus and him alone, stay away from them. Because I think choir saying all the praise goes to Jesus. You and I are here because of Jesus. And the faith. You can't be saved without faith. You got to believe. You got to trust. And that goes so against human pride. I got to reason my way into this. There's no reasoning here. God loved us in spite of ourselves. But let me tell you just because somebody doesn't agree on some of the peripheral areas, such as eschatology, the second coming of Christ, or spiritual gifts, or whatever, if they're lifting up Jesus Christ and salvation by faith in Him by grace, Alone, we're for them. As long as as they're not trying to get people to do things for them. And there's a lot of that going on. The point is, our response to circumstances can encourage other people. I get to see it firsthand I see when people have loved ones that pass away with no hope. I see people going through difficulty with no hope. And I see people who, even though they're suffering just like anyone else, they know that they have a grace and a peace that the Lord can give them and only He can give. You know, I, 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 I can't understand. I have not been through the loss of a child. That's something I've never had happen to me. So I don't know how you feel. And don't you ever say to them, I know how you feel. Because you don't. And I've often wondered, how would I handle that? Lord, I don't know if I could handle that until I come to the Scripture that says, where God says, my grace is sufficient for you in times of weakness and so forth. So I trust that no matter what I go through, the Lord will be with me. I'm not going to say I like it. He, He didn't say I wouldn't cry. He didn't say I wouldn't hurt. He just said, I'm going to walk with you through that. And either you'll come home or stay here a little longer. But the way that you respond to your circumstances can be an encouragement to other people. And finally, the last chain reaction is the priority of the gospel. In verse 18, he said even if some of them are doing it with the wrong motive, if as long as Jesus Christ is being preached, I'm for it. And I rejoice in it. There was no envy in his heart. It mattered not that some were for him and some were against him. He said, you've got to be for Jesus. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. I rejoice when other churches that are preaching the gospel, let me qualify it, are growing and doing well. And if they do better than us, whatever that means, I'm not sure what that means. I don't mind. Do you? It's about Him. It's not about you and me. We're not in competition. That's why we try to help other churches. Paul said, we just want Jesus lifted up. Let me tell you, the only hope... We have for a nation and for the world is for Jesus to be lifted up and people are drawn to Him and commit their lives to Him. The point is we always rejoice when the gospel is advanced. And sometimes it's through difficulty that the doors open. Now, some of you don't know Jesus. You're going to think that I'm a nut. You're a bunch of nuts. You don't have an idea what you're talking about. Listen, I understand that. I once didn't have the Lord. But there comes a time. You know, a lot of people think about just sit in church, I'll get Jesus by osmosis. will <laughs> I'll just soak him in eventually. Well, you didn't get married by osmosis. You made a commitment of your life. We're the bride of Christ. We made a commitment. We said, Lord Jesus. I believe the kind of belief that I'm going to stake my life on it there's mental assent and then there's life giving trust said Lord I'm going to give my life to you I believe that you lived a sinless life that you died for my sin that you rose again only one (laughs) and that now you've You've atoned. You've paid for my sin. And now I commit my life to you. I want you to live in me. And I, and I believe. I'm a believer. My faith is in you. I'm going to tell you, He will change everything. You may not feel anything. You may not see any flashes of light, which you're not going to. But it's not that, it go, you don't go by feeling, you go by faith. It's a, our faith is a reasonable faith. It's not some pipe dream. And when the gospel is advanced, we, we rejoice. If you don't know Jesus today, I didn't say no about him, you don't know him. You haven't committed your life to him. Today's your day. You don't have to join our church. As much as I want people to come here, if you go to another church, I'm for it. As long as it's a Bible teaching, Jesus lifting up church, go. You can give your life to Christ today. How? By faith, by trust. For by grace, that's God's grace, are you saved through faith. Ephesians 2.8 that not of yourselves it's a gift of God not of works lest anyone should boast and right now the Holy Spirit is beginning to speak to some of your hearts opening your eyes to the truth drawing you to him I'm not trying to talk you into anything other than listen to what God is telling you and if you don't know him you can receive him today some of you need a church if this is the place come if not don't come Some of you need to be baptized. You've placed your faith in Christ. And Jesus said, let other people know that you're my follower. They were baptized in lakes and streams out in the open. And anytime that somebody saw somebody being baptized, they said, there's one of those Christians. One of those Christians. It's a public testimony of your faith in Jesus. And listen, if a 93-year-old lady can do it on Wednesday night, you can do it. Would you bow your heads with me? Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message.